are listening to the Barbara May Show, the place where we discuss all that really matters. We will cover all you need to know about lifestyle, health, spirituality, and plus so much more. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You are listening to episode 38 with Winifred Castello. Winifred is a visionary healer, Reiki master, teacher, tarot reader, mentor, and modern witch. She's the founder and facilitator of The Witching Well, an online magical community for earth-centered seekers who are ready to grow their spiritual practice. In this episode, we'll talk about the Samhain festival and its traditions. Some of those traditions have been forgotten, but I feel like with this current rise of witches, they are all coming back. Where I grew up, we we didn't have um, Samhain and we were, no, we didn't have a Halloween. We were used to celebrating All Saints Day and it was celebrated on the 1st of November. And for some reason, as a child, I found this day so uncomfortable. And I suppose because it involved a lot of tears and sadness, you know, people were talking about the, um, the people who passed away. It was one of the most serious days of the year. But today, we are going to talk about that as well, but we are also going to tap into what Samhain is and all the traditions. Where is All Saints Day coming from? Where is Halloween coming from originally? So I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Let's dive in. Hello, Winifred. Welcome to my podcast. I'm excited to have you here today. We're going to talk about some amazing stuff today. Cannot wait. My first question is, what are you grateful for? Hi, and thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And that is a great question. It's such a challenging question to answer and not sound cliche. The the whole, I'm grateful for everything. But really, um, (laughs) post-pandemic, I think my response is different than it would have been pre-pandemic. I am grateful for everything. But more importantly, I'm grateful for all the all the small moments and all the what I would call like the glue between people, the real like the real humanity between people. And starting first with my you know my own immediate family and it, like my husband and my daughter and my son. And I've always been someone that leaned towards slow living. And the pandemic, I embraced that even further. And so I think I became very deeply grateful for things like bird song in the morning and sunshine on my skin. Not that I wasn't always grateful for those things, but it really took on a whole new meeting during the lockdown and the pandemic. I think most of the people are experiencing exactly the same thing. Everything, what we always wanted, and I'm, I'm not saying always wanted, okay, because I know some people do struggle with the situation, but like most of us kind of wanted that time to be able to read the book and do the gardening. And there was no time for it because the energy like on collective level has been speed up so much that you just like, you know, like obviously when we talk about the patriarch, what I talk about on the other episodes, when we step into that feminine, the time kind of collapsed. And I think that's what, that's what I completely agree with you, that I'm grateful for the same thing. In a way, I, I initially started calling like the whole, this whole time, the slowing times, like everything This really, and it's also, an, you know, this time of year is an inward time, but to me, the whole pandemic has been sort of the thin time of the year. There were, it was a very liminal there's been other seasons, but I really felt like we were in the liminal, a liminal space and then a very deeply inner time for like many months. Yeah. You know, I I love that so many people out there are looking for positives in it. 
because obviously it has been disastrous for many like yes. life losses and restrictions and like the crime and abuse um, rates increase incredibly but but the fact that actually people are looking into the positive elements of it i think that's that's fantastic that's definitely suggests that we have shifted um energetically mm. so so i love that so we are going to be talking today about selwayne and i'm so happy to have you here today uh, you and i had this chat before i'm just i really want to cover this topic properly i just want people to know from paganistic point of view and i just want them to know all about this incredible fest- festival i feel like it's coming back and i feel like all those traditions are going to be practiced again what are your thoughts I totally agree. <laughs> and I have to say, Samhain's been my favorite holiday since I was a child. I was, all kids love the whole, like, you could do our costume and have candy. But for me, Samhain, I could, I very palpably could feel a shift, even as a small child. I could feel that the wind felt different. I could feel it in the air. I mean, you can see it on the land with the leaves and whatnot, but it's one of my favorite times of year. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Do you pick up on a smell? That I, I know, obviously, every season smells differently, but after Samhain, everything kind of, I don't know, it just has a different feel to it. And it smells mm-hmm. differently. Like the energy is just completely different. So there's Samhain in the sense of like, it's a very, it, it's a time of year that's been celebrated and recognized for hundreds, if not thousands of years. There are roots into so in Europe, European traditions going back, like where they acknowledge and celebrated this time of year. Most speak obviously from a modern pagan, modern witch perspective, because you know we are modern people living in a modern time. So we, I think, we all, in a primordial sense, feel the shift and tap into it and that smell that you're talking about. You know, obviously that is something that doesn't change over time. Probably the languaging, the way I'll speak to Salen and the practices and the traditions. Uh, will be from a modern voice. I tell people like a, you know, a, a neo-pagan perspective, like a modern, a modern witch, basically. So you're asking about the smell, there's the smell. And like one of the things that I think is helpful for people to think about if they think of Samhain is it's a singular shifting tide, but it's part of a greater seasonal tide, right? So the earth's seasons are shifting and changing. If we looked at that as a wheel, like the great wheel, the wheel of the year, in modern interpretation, so Samhain and Beltane, um, or you maybe in the UK it would be Beltana, have been practiced for hundreds, if not thousands of years by different peoples in different similarly rooted ways, but with different ex- nuances, right? Both of them anchor two different, they're both about thin, what I would call thinning times, like when the veil between the worlds become thinner. And so you have Beltane, which is like, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, the springtime thinning before life really is like, life is already popping and growing, greening all around us, but there's this, this real thrust of energy forward. And Samhain is a thinning time on the, like on the opposite side and it's a deepening and it's, it's like this great exhalation. Like we, what we smell, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I just had this funny image, like the breath of the mother, which sounds kind of odd, but do you know what I mean? It's like this exhalation because like I know a lot of people think of it as it's a time of going internal and on the planet in the Northern hemisphere, the plants are bringing they're going inward. Everything's being drawn back down into the roots. The leaves are dying. That's that unique scent we smell just like in spring is everything born. I call it an exhalation because it's like the end. It's like the goddess is entering her crone as well into her crone phase is descending to the underworld at this time of year. And to me, that's like an exhalation. Like we're like, we're, at, we're exhaling the last breath even though it is really in it's an inner time like it's going internal yeah I love it it's like a it's like a last breath 
isn't it? Mm. And then obviously mm-hmm. it's it's not the last one because because the will doesn't end. I love that. Correct. Um, can you talk about the history of it? What is Samhain and how people should celebrate it? How do you celebrate it as a modern witch? Oh, that's a great question. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get some of my terminology right. So, you know, I'm just going to put that out there. But for most people, what comes to mind is, oh, it's Celtic, which is, you know, not really quite accurate languaging. But in older European cultures, especially in northern northern situations like northern Europe, northern that's eastern, right? Northern east, like the UK, Brittany, that sort of area, um, they would have really seen the year as kind of broken into two places. There was like summer and there was winter with phases and like you know they certainly were aware of the solstices and the equinoxes. Um, certainly for like planting and things that were happening, it wasn't that they weren't aware of it, but. Beltane and Samhain were these very key points, like the beginning of summer and the ending of summer. It's known as a harvest, the final harvest festival. Um, There's a lot of traditional lore. There's a lot of traditional lore that I think we might romanticize as modern people. We always have to remember when we look back in older times in the history that um, a lot of time the history is written down by people that didn't practice the faith. So whoever was the conquering people or like when we think of the patriarchy, you know, it would have been like, like from a Christian, a Christ or a Christian lens, a lot of these things were written down, so they might not have really understood what they were witnessing. So some things get kind of lost in translation. But it definitely would have been like sort of a final harvest. It was the time when you're preparing for the like the deep sleep of winter that is coming, and things are obviously like like we already said going internal. There's the whole point about the ancestor piece because when the veil is thinner between the worlds, the idea is that you know it's easier for us to make contact. We I would say definitely as a modern witch that we can always make contact with our ancestors and we should always be honoring and working and, and blessing our ancestors all the time, not just at this time of year, but it definitely, there's so much traditional lore about, you know, the whole thing around ghosts and like, um, you know, spirits and witches flying in at night in a host, like all those things have to do with that. You know, the veil between the worlds is so thin and, you know, it's easier to perceive it. And I, my own sense would be like, maybe it was easier to perceive, even if you were just an everyday person going about your life, not just waiting on whatever your spiritual, um, I guess, clergy would have been for a better word, you know, to let you know, I think everyone can, it's very palpable. You can really feel, I call it like a haunted wind, like you really can feel it. Um, so a lot of the traditions, like the dressing up in, um, I mean, you hear different things, so like the dressing up in costumes often was to, uh, you know, to keep spirits that might be maleficent spirits from seeing you. So you wore as costumes, but also in older European traditions, there's a lot of traditions of of people dressing up in fantastical costumes or in a guise of some sort and going door to door. There would have been, you know, to me, like a lot, so a lot of things that kind of blend with Sal and kind of fit with Yule too, you know, going door to door, asking for a sweet cake, you know, you know, you see that I get repeated at Yule and Part of that, I think, is like the a community energy too. You know, we're heading into a leaner time, you know, before grocery stores. You know, you really preparing for winter looked very differently like 200, 300, 500 years ago than it does now. I like what you said about obviously the worlds, the worlds are thinner. I mean, between, between us and between, between um, the world of departed um, souls. And I also think the reason why they have been witnessed and the people we're working with those spirits is because 
the energy of our planet and of our earth is exactly what you said was going inwards. So it was kind of experiencing the death and that is supporting the energy of departed ones. So that's why I think because they are on the same um, same line, <laughs> I don't know how would you how else would you describe it. That's why yeah. it's very, very easy to um, get in contact with them. And what would your celebration look like? How would you how would you practice Samhain traditions? Um, so I have um, I always feel I have both a like a very private practice and then I have a more outward facing practice. One of my favorite things to do, I would do this both in a pre-pandemic, I would have done this like with close friends coming over to my home and it might have been like 10 or 15 of us. Post-pandemic, you know, it'll be just my husband and I, maybe my daughter and her, her husband, if they wanted to join us, um, it becomes obviously smaller scale. But um, a really popular thing is to have, it's in modern traditions is for modern witches and pagans is a dumb supper is a very known thing. And, the, and people have different ways of how, I'll talk from my own experience of like how I like to embrace the practice of the dumb supper. I always say, ask 10 witches, you'll get 10 different answers. So people all have a different way to embrace a dumb supper, but it's a summer supper, a meal that you specifically create and make to sit and eat with your, to take supper with your ancestors, with your beloved dead. In modern terms, it's often served backwards. Did that happen long ago? Probably not. I think this is very much a modern interpretation of an older rooted practice. I, in my own way, I, when I host it in my own house, we make, um, it's a done potluck style and everyone brings a recipe that has fa familial lineage to it. Like make something from your own history, like gram grandma or someone who's passed over so that we, we're bringing in that energy. But we do a potluck and we have served it backwards where you start with dessert and then, you know, you go back, you go backwards through your meal, um, which is really, if you've never eaten a meal, like very, like very, like with intention backwards, it's really powerful. And then often the meal is served in silence. So we've done it where we've had the meal completely backwards and in silence. And we also set a seat for spirit. For my practice, what we do is we actually have spirit at our table. So I know some people might set um, their altar. Usually, you know, we would say, you know, the living and the dead don't eat, not like that they don't eat together, but that we feed them separately. Um, but in this one practice, we like, in the way I embraced it, we've ate together um, because the veil is thinner and this is a time when we can come together and just how I would have eaten dinner with my, those I love that have crossed over, we're eating dinner together again in, in this, in physical form. So the way we do is we dress one end of the table specifically to be for spirit. We put down like, so all the flatware and the plateware for spirit is white. And every, all the other folks that come to eat, we, um, I hunted down black dishes. So we all eat off black dishes, but spirit eats off of a white, di white dish dishware and family dishware. So if we, we have some pieces from like a teacup from my grandmother. So like that would be set out. Um, we did, we set a chair at the very end of the table. We drape it in white fabric and white lace. So this is a chair for spirit that no one sits in it's for spirit to sit in. And then we adorn that end of the table. So we put out plates and cups so we can share a little bit of all the food we've created. And then we also have pictures. Um, we have candles, we have cool glasses of water. We put flowers, um, all kinds of celebratory. We make an altar out of the end of the table. And then we all sit around the other end. Typically it's, described as being eaten in silence. I've done a dumb supper with my core group of friends several years in a, you know, many years in a row. 
And one of the things we finally came to as a group, because it was basically always the same core group of people, we decided we wanted to talk during the meal. Like usually it's like, oh, you eat in silence. And we decided we we did want to talk because we wanted it to not feel like a dirge. We felt like a little too somber. And we felt like we wanted to remember our loved ones in a more joyous way. So we modified the tradition and the only speaking would be storytelling. So you would, um, you know, anyone at any point in time could raise a glass and share a story as someone who had crossed over that. And then everyone would, at the end of the storytelling, we would all like, you know, say, hail the traveler, cheers the person who had passed on. And then we would go back to eating. And that actually really changed the practice to have this other more, that more, remember I was talking about that connective piece between people, because suddenly I'm hearing about someone else's person and they're hearing about mine. And it, that's one of my favorite things to do is to host a, a spirit supper or a dumb supper. I have done, and you can do that meal alone. Like there's no reason why you have to have, you know, if there's concerns about COVID, you don't necessarily have, or if you don't have anyone to bring into your home, a lot of people practice alone and not really out of the closet or don't really have community in their proximity that they can practice with. So you could do it. It's a beautiful practice by yourself where you, again, you would cook dishes that are meaningful to you or your family or family recipes, set the table. I think it's really important you have cool water, fresh flowers, and a cup and a plate that you can share some of everything. Um, but you really, and, a, and mementos or photographs of that person, those folks that you're honoring. And then you can enjoy, I call it a spirit supper. So you can enjoy that meal solo with them. And one of the things I do is I take some, if I'm doing it alone, I'll take some of the leftovers, package it up really nicely, where we live, there's, you know, folks that are, you know, unfortunately it's the reality of the times that are standing on the street corners asking for support, like beg begging. And so I'll specifically seek somebody out and give them like, I'll have everything with a note written inside and everything's prepared and I'll share food with a stranger. I love how you match in the energies, like how you were talking about the plates, how you have the black ones, and obviously how the spirit has the white one, because obviously the white color is um, is an invitation, isn't it? It's something what is open. Black that represents protection. I, I just love how everything's matched. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of energies and talking about energies and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Always been fascinated by that. So it's brilliant how everything gets matched. The country where I come from, we have All Saints Day. So we don't have um, Halloween. Well, now it's kind of actually coming, coming popular. But but what we used to do, we used to go to the cemetery and used to go and visit the departed ones. So that's what we always did um, on All Saints Day. So that is the 1st of uh, November. And we always sit down around and we talked about stories, you know, and shared experiences with people who crossed over so so that's kind of what we what we have done um have you experienced them getting in touch with you for sure i i maintain an ancestor practice all year round but definitely at this time i um usually share that it feels like the um it's like a radio station that becomes really sharply in tune so sometimes if maybe at other times of the year when i'm reaching reaching towards to spirit for my um those in spirit I might feel like I have to reach a little harder or it might be a little fuzzier. Now I feel, I really feel like I'm getting goosebumps. Just talking about um, like my own mom is in spirit. And so I always feel like, you know, now at this time of year more so, this is also, she she crossed on November 3rd. So she crossed shortly after someone. Um, so um, I always feel like she's like right in the, like really right next to me. I feel 
so at, not just her, but anyone I'm reaching to, I always feel that the communication is sharper, stronger, clearer. There's less, what was that? Is I think you, I think this is what I'm getting from you. I feel like it's like, nope, I, you, like, it's very clear. I often have more dreams. You know, the wheel of the year is a shifting of seasonal tides. So just like at the ocean, you know, we watch waves roll in and like one wave is, you sort of kind of watch one wave rolling out as another is rolling in. And if you're ever watching like high tide and low tide, there's no one moment where like this, I mean, technically this, there's a minute where it's like, this is high tide. But if you're standing at the ocean watching it, you're like, you know, you sense it. You sort of, you're, you're like, oh, I think we're here. I think that that's the highest wave. So if, I always think of like Samhain and all those holiday, sacred days as, as, as a tide. And we're seeking to use our, our intuitive knowing to be like, okay, I think this is the, the crux of the energetic or in this sense, it'd be like the, the, the thinnest, right? It would, instead of like a up, it's more like a, the, the deepening. Um, but I definitely, I'm, I'm dreams. I have folks come through my dreams now more often at this time of year. So I definitely am someone who uh, experiences communication with those that are in spirit. Um, you said about your mum, you said that she, she's passed away on the 3rd of November. So you, and most of my family members it's so strange they cross over around around this time of year and and I'm sure that people who are listening if you kind of watch that if you think about it most of the souls will go at the end of the year it's very strange they, isn't they, it? They, it, they sure do and I don't mean this in any kind of I was just talking about this with a friend and I don't mean this with you know it's always painful to lose someone and there's always deep sorrow and a lot of all of that right and now we have all that's going on right with so many more people lost so in, in no way want to minimize the impact and sorrow that that creates. But I really always describe this time of the year of, as like this spirit bus is pulling up and the, the veil gets so thin and like a spirit bus pulls up. I kind of think of Harry Potter and the spirit, the night bus. And like anyone who is maybe on the, like, oh, I could go now or I could go in a month or two. It's like, it's like all aboard. And they all like, and I, I don't mean that with any disrespect. I just feel like, like they, they you definitely see like more of an exodus at this time. Not like if you're well and alive, it's not like you're going to suddenly die now. But, you know, I don't want to put that out there for anyone to be scared, but definitely feel like you can, you can see it, you can sense it. Yeah, and I think that is because of the, because we are made out of energy and we're kind of matching the energy around us. And when we are the one with the planet, so. <laughs> I mean, these practices are like, they're subtle, they're profound, they're very real. But, and I think a lot of times people are looking for a loud, bombastic energies and so much about these things are like you got to lean into it you got to sense it you got to feel it you got to stand outside on the land um and if you can't go outside open a window but you can really you can you're right you can smell it you can feel it it's it's very palpable like that there's a shift i know another traditional piece you would ask about practices and lores this with climate changes is changing a little bit but traditionally like Sawen is considered the third and final harvest and any any fruit or vegetable left on the vine is um, after November 1, you wouldn't harvest it for you to eat. It would either be for, you know, your livestock or for the dead to eat. Like if, so if you had pumpkins or something you hadn't brought in by November 1st, you left it out there um, and it stayed on the land for animals or for your, the dead that have crossed over. So if somebody was wondering how they can connect to their loved ones um, and use this energy, what would you advise I think the most powerful, there's a lot, we didn't really get into it, but there's a lot of lore around setting lights at, you know, the jack-o'-lantern and the pumpkin is a very old rooted tradition. So I think 
if you haven't, if you're just beginning this work, the energy, you know, and we, we didn't even get into like some people think about the astrological time of Samhain. I'm really big on, I'm really big on celebrating things when most of the people on the planet were all energetically coming together. Um, so I'm really big on Halloween, like on October 31st, but really you've got like the 30th, the 31st, the, as you're talking about, you've got November one, two, and three with all those other celebrations. I think if you haven't started an ancestor practice, it's a beautiful time of year to begin one. You can do what you describe. There's nothing more. If you want to get close to your ancestors, go, if you can visit their graves, which you're talking about, there's nothing more powerful. Even if you take care of a grave of someone you don't know, like if you've ever been in a graveyard and you're taking care of your own graves in your family and you see that, that grave that kind of calls to you and you're and no one's ever, maybe everyone's passed on from that person or that person's been forgotten and you kind of no, feel compelled to go to it, t- tend to that grave, like clean it off, brush off the leaves, maybe leave some flowers if you're allowed to, um, maybe bring a rock and put it on this gravestone. That's a beautiful practice. That's in itself is a beautiful thing to do is to wash gently wash gravestones, not, not in an abrasive damaging way, but like with just some warm water and a cloth or bring a rake or a broom, but really tend to that space. But if you can go to a graveyard where your, your loved ones are buried, that's a very powerful way to, you want to get, get in deep and get in close, do that. Or if you don't know where they are, you're not near them. You could go tend someone else's grave and get to know that spirit. Like I said, pick someone you're compelled to, but really Putting out lights, we didn't talk about that much, but setting out lights on All, All Hallows' Eve, on Samhain, November 1st, through a jack-o'-lantern, or you could carve a gourd. You can even just put a, there's been many, I actually do just put out plain old candles. You get those seven-day, those big tall glass candles. It's about setting out lights. I know there's lots of reasons why we've set out the lights, but part of me is, you know, I always just think of like the people who are forgotten or might be lost. You know, the, the classic thing is you put a light in the window for them to find their way home if they were like lost in a storm or, or, or feeling well, if you've ever driven through a dark countryside and seen just a light in a house, how potent that is. So you could also just put out a light on your doorstep on Halloween night. And if you really wanted to go for it, you could put out a little bit of food, like leave some candy out, take it back in in the morning. It's just a really hard rule. Um, when I was little, we used to put the lights, the lights on the graves. The reason behind it was they know we remember them and if there were graves which did not have a light we used to light up candles for them as well so they didn't feel forgotten because we believe that the spirit will come back and will get in contact if the light is there so exactly what you said the light is there so they find a way where they need to go i was very blessed that you know i used to own a physical brick and mortar pagan store all i've transitioned all online but when i had the shop um, a local woman was uh she was you know, from Mexico. She grew up in Mexico before she immigrated to the U.S. So she taught a Day of the Dead class at the shop. And there was a lot of folks. um, We have a large Latino community. So a lot of folks were teaching, you know, Day of the Dead, beautiful, sharing beautiful altars and things in town, which is really always very lovely when you're invited into someone else's tradition for a few minutes. And she always talked about, they would always put a little tiny bit of salt on the table, like the altar for the dead. And that was to remind us of our own tears that we shed when we've lost someone and also to remind the dead that, you know, there is a, as much as we miss being alive, there's a, it's hard to be alive sometimes. And there's a bitter sweetness to being alive. And she said that a lot of their pieces on their altar help remind the dead that this visitation is, is just temporary. And we all have to go back to the living, have to return to the business of living. 
the dead have to return to the business of, of being on the other side. But in these moments, we come together and visit again, like when we were alive in joy. And, um, and they always put a little tiny dish of salt out as part of that. And I just think that's an incredibly beautiful practice. Thank you so much for being on a podcast. My last question for you is where can listeners find you and get in contact with you? Um, yeah, so you can find me on social media. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Awentry. So at Awentry, A-W-E-N-T-R-E-E. It basically means spirit tree. And on the, my website is awentry.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And I cannot wait to see you next week. With gratitude, Barbara May.